Hey, high schoolers, Matt Velasco here, the Chanhassen Campus High School Ministry Director. Um, Really excited for you to hear this message from Pastor Joel that he delivered at our senior commissioning. Uh, But I I do have to unfortunately say that we lost part of the message in the recording. So you're going to jump into about five minutes into it. Uh, He is in the midst of talking about the things that you as seniors should do to get wisdom. It's a powerful message that will surely impact you. So enjoy it. And if you're not a senior, listen to it anyways. I promise you it will also impact you as you learn how to get wisdom. Enjoy. Serve the poor, yes. I want to invite you with a challenge, all you graduating seniors. In the next five years, live with the poor for one week, at least three days and find out what happens to your soul. There's a a text in Proverbs 21 that's, I think, a powerful call from God to us to to help those that are marginalized and and, and hungry and poor. It says, um, if a man shouts his ears to cry to the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. I'm reading that wrong. If a man shuts his ears to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. It's saying that if we don't pay attention to the poor, not only will we not find wisdom, it'll impact our own sense of joy and happiness in life. When Jesus says, as you have done it to the least of these, so you have done it to me, I want you to know that Jesus comes to you through the poor. He reveals himself in greater fullness as you enter into the world of the poor, the marginalized, the disenfranchised, because that's the way of Jesus. And so um, I I brought two things with me. One, I brought this um, porcelain porcelain bowl, which I do have a picture of, that here is now broken. I want to tell you the story of this. This is 1990, so I'm really aging myself here. But Carrie and I uh, went to Romania, and I don't know how much you're aware of history when the walls came tumbling down in Eastern Europe, but we got there about two months afterwards, and Ceausescu, who was the, the president of Romania, and his wife would be hanged that month in January. We arrived right around that time. It was completely impoverished. We arrived in two vehicles at midnight. We had to go to a town called Georgiou in the south of Bucharest, and we had one translator, two cars. We made our way down, and we lost one of the cars. We got to the town. We weren't sure what to do. It's about 2.30 in the morning, and we're, we're figuring, let's just put the car in the middle of the main road through town. Eventually, they'll come through, and it took a long time. Well, while we're standing in the middle of the road at 2.33 in the morning, um, a man comes out from the home that was close by and inquired what we were doing. Fortunately, we had the translator with us, and they said, we're waiting for this car, et cetera. And through the conversation, he indicated that he and his family were Christians when they learned why we were there. And they invited us into their home. Can I tell you, this home is a home that you probably wouldn't think of as being a home. They were so impoverished. They had so little in their home. They had 10 people living in the home. There were three rooms in the home. And uh, we, wa- we walked in there. There was a gentleman who, whose body had atrophied. He was on a gurney practically. He could only move his head. We had a doctor who was with us, and he attended and gave some attention, but it was all family members, grandma, grandpa, mom, and dad, and their kids, um, and we're all in this given space. The other car eventually came. By now, we've established friendship, and the hosts, um, Dory and George, said to us, would you please stay with us in, in our home for the week that we would be there? And I, I'm, not, I'm not proud of this moment. I'm not. I didn't want to stay in that home. It didn't smell right. Where would I stay? 
there's no place to stay. And I was thinking of the hotel. We'd been traveling. Let's just go to the hotel. And I was trying to navigate out of it. I was so convicted about it. And I said, yes, we will stay with you. We stayed there for a week. And this family loved us so much. They had nothing, nothing. And yet the joy of their faith and the joy in the home would change us. Carrie and I had three children at that time. I was done having children. Carrie was struggling having no more children. And being in that family would change our course where we would allow ourselves to open ourselves up. If God wanted to give us one more child, that we would be open to it, which he eventually did. He gave us our, our little Blake, who, who's not little anymore. He's 25 along the way. That time goes by. When we left that home, we, they gave us their, quote, unquote, master bedroom, relative term which we felt terrible. We just said, no, we'll sleep on the floor, you know? And they go, no, no, you must have. They treat you with such hospitality. And so we had the, the bed in their master bedroom. There was only one thing on the wall, and it was this porcelain bowl that you see here. And it was, um, it was her, the, the mother's treasured possession. And she gave it to Carrie, and we left. And Carrie, she just, she just couldn't hardly take it, you know? And uh, she insisted, and Carrie's crying, and this woman's crying. They're loving on each other. It was a treasure gift. We ended up getting on the plane, going home. We're in Chicago trying to get to Minneapolis. We have a tight flight. We're running as fast as we can. And um, Carrie had the, this porcelain bowl in her backpack. It had zipped open and fallen to the ground and broken into hundreds of pieces, shattered completely. And she burst out in tears, and some of our team members burst out in tears, and we're scooping up all the glass, putting it into her backpack. We got home. You can't tell from here, but she spent three months gluing all of that together. And for these 30 years, it has stayed together until about two months ago, and now the glue is falling apart, and she's going to glue it again. But it's become a symbol in our lives that wisdom is gained by being with the poor. Jesus comes to you through the poor. He does. And what you learn is the generosity of spirit from people who have very little but have a lot of Christ, and they touch your life. And what you learn is you don't need so much more. The ever quest for more that we think gives us happiness does not. When we got home, we went to um, Rainbow Grocery Store, which was in Eden Prairie at that time. And we had gone from a place where the shelves were empty. There was very little food to be purchased. We went into many stores. There was just nothing. It was just horrible what was happening in Romania at that time. And we walked into Rainbow with the high shelves all stocked with food, and we both just began to weep. We, didn't, we couldn't shop. We had to leave because we were so overwhelmed by our abundance. The ever quest for more will not give you the happiness that is the longing for your soul. It will not. I just want to encourage you. Live with the poor for one week. See what God will do. Fourth thing that we should do to get wisdom is to pray for it, to ask for it. Solomon was not born a wise man. Um, people, you know, he's, he's known to us as the wisest man in the scriptures, um, in the early part of his life at least, in that part of the journey. But he wasn't wise because of who he was. He was wise because he prayed for wisdom. This is what God said. Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself a long life or riches or a life, over your, um, a life over your enemies, but have asked yourself for understanding to discern what is right, behold, now um, I will do according to your word. He would receive wisdom. And James reinforces it. He says, if you lack any wisdom, then ask God. 
God, give me wisdom. Say those words. God, give me wisdom. With a little more conviction, please. God, give me wisdom. Let that be the longing of your heart. Pray and ask for it, and he will give it to you. Um, when I had graduated from college, I was confused about my future. I always thought I'd be in business. You know my story. My dad was in the restaurant business, and, um, and the Little Tijuana's is still there. I've told you that story as well in, uh, in South Minneapolis. And that's, I grew up in that family business. I started a business when I was a junior in high school. Um, but God was moving me toward ministry, but I, hadn't, I didn't grow up in the church in the way that you guys are experiencing it. I didn't know how we would even enter into that, so I was just doing business. When the woman whom I was staying with said that God had given her a vision for my life that I would be a pastor, I was not even attending a church. I loved Jesus, but I was not attending a church. No, wisdom comes by loving Jesus and connecting with the body of Christ. We need each other. Do not go alone. You need other people. One of the reasons your faith, that you're worshiping in a mosh pit, because that's how I looked at that, and you're <laughs> jumping up and down the way you're jumping up and down, and, you're, and I go, look at this. It's so amazing that you're engaged in that. It's partly because your friends are jumping up and down with you. They're worshiping with you. But when you go alone, something happens. You just drift away from God. And that, that picture is just a reminder to... Um, not go alone. And this woman said, you will be a pastor. I said to a good friend of mine at the time, I said, he was in seminary. He said, how do you get involved with the church? He brought me over to Wooddale Church. And it was at Wooddale Church that Leith Anderson, who was the pastor, came to me and said, Joel, I think you have gifts for ministry. Would you be willing to join our staff? And we'll, we'll pay for you to go to seminary. And that would open up the door and change the trajectory of my life. It's not a wisdom I knew how to get, but God was working through others to give it to me. The fifth this one's going to surprise you. Take it back a little. But the fifth way to get wisdom is to think frequently about your death. I know. Do I have to? Yes. I have to say this because let me put it a different way. Think about the shortness of your life here and the longevity of the life that is still to come. Psalm 90.12 says, teach us to number our days um, that we would get the heart of wisdom count your days. Don't waste them. Let them matter. How many of you have iPhones? Raise your hand. A good number of you. You have iPhones because of Stephen Jobs. And Stephen Jobs, um, who created um, that whole deal and the CEO of Apple Computer, in 2011, he died. But he wrote these words. Listen to this. Remembering that I'll be dead soon is the most important tool that I've ever encountered to help me make the big choices in my life. Because almost everything, all external um, expectations, all pride, all fear of embarrassment or failure. We all struggle with that. These things just fall away in the face of death, leaving only what is truly important. Remembering that you are going to die is the best way I know how to avoid the trap of thinking that you have something to lose. You are already naked. There is no reason not to follow your heart. I just love that because it's saying, don't make small plans for your life. If you're being set out and being commissioned to move into the world. Don't let God be small. Um, own your influence. Let God work in and through you. Dream big. Imagine possibilities. Believe that God will see them come to fruition. Because when you live small, it, it sucks away the happiness that is the longing of your soul. But when you live in the grandeur of taking risk, you will find that there is a happiness that gets infused into your journey. And I brought a picture of my dad as an example of this. This is my father. I've got a picture of him there as well. He looks just like my son. Um, 
as a young man. My dad died 10 years ago this year, and it rocked my world, to say the least. My dad, and he, he found out he had cancer at Thanksgiving. He died on December 21st. We didn't have much time in there. But in that little window, he said to all of us kids, there's seven kids, you know that, in my journey, Jay, Joel, Jaws, and Jody, Jill, and JC and Josh. There's seven kids, all Jays. And um, I say my mom was pregnant from 1956 to 1963. All the babies are one year apart. Isn't that crazy? And anyway, they were divorced uh, after the last child was born. But my dad said to me and a few others, my siblings, um, I wish I could do some things different. He only came to know of the way of God in the last year of his life. He said, I wish I could have made some different decisions. My mom put her faith in Christ nine years ago. I had the privilege of baptizing her here at Westwood, which was, I, I was singing and dancing like you are um, in the privacy of my own bedroom to do that. <laughs> I'm Scandinavian, but you know, my mom, she did something that brought so much healing. This is the wisdom of God. They had been estranged for 15 years hardly talked with each other. And my mom called my dad and said, I'd like to come up and see you. She lived in another state. And she drove up and met with my father, just the two of them alone, and they reconciled. Now, it took him on his deathbed to get there. But you have this much life to live. For you, it feels like it's so long. But count your days. And as you um, pay attention to the days God has given you, you will have a heart that will be open to the wisdom that he has for you. This is so good to enjoy your life as you have it, which by the way, can I just remind you, uh, the way you look right now is the best you're gonna look in your whole entire life. So <laughs> just enjoy the beauty of your youth. Um, am I right on that parents? A little bit of help on that deal? So seize it, but understand that it's fading beauty and your life is but a vapor here along the way. Um, finally, I have, I think I have one more I want to just throw in quick. Do I have time, Matt, for one more? Keep going, huh? All right, good. Um, I have to end with this one. Actually, I can't, I cannot not end with this one. This is the absolutely essential thing to get wisdom, which, by the way, we didn't, we didn't come back. God, give me wisdom. I just, do you guys have to go? I, I love you. Can you come to church on Sunday? Sit in the front row. Maybe don't do quite as much jumping, but, you know, <laughs> half a jump would be great. Um, this, this one is most important, okay? In the next year, um, you're going to have a lot of voices, graduates, speaking into your head about the three fundamental questions of life. Who am I? Why am I here? And where am I going? And the gravitational pull to people who are going to introduce you to ways of living that are not aligned with the way and the will of God will become prominent in your journey. So you begin to exercise, hopefully, wisdom in the midst of it because these voices can really dissuade you from walking a life of fullness with joy, where you no longer live in love with Jesus. And there's a divorce, a separation in your own personal journey. I just want to encourage you, don't let the enemy have a seat at your table because he will, he will come in a way that you don't even expect it. And all of a sudden, he'll be in shepherd's closing and he's, he's pulling you away. He does not want you to love Jesus. He does not. 
He will put you around people who will make you not want to love Jesus. If you could anchor in the reality that all wisdom that satisfies the deepest recesses of your soul happens in Jesus. Jesus said to the people of his day, the queen of the south will arise at the judgment with his generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. And who's the something, someone greater than Solomon? It's Jesus. So Solomon spoke God's wisdom and Jesus is wisdom. And others have spoken truth, but Jesus is truth. Others will tell you it's this way that you'll find life, but Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he is the one who will satisfy the the need for happiness as you turn to him and make him the priority of your life. Therefore, the command from Proverbs 4, 5, get wisdom, first means come to Jesus, because Jesus is your everything. He's changed my life in ways I could have never imagined. He's brought healing into my whole family system. Five of my siblings have come to faith in Christ. My mother has come to faith in Christ. And to to see how faith has entered into the journey has just reminded me again and again how important it is. You know, I can't and Matt can't and no one can make you live in a love relationship with Jesus. You have to wake up and do that yourself as I did. And it doesn't take long. Three days of not living in love with Jesus will turn to three weeks, which turns to three months. But my encouragement to you is simply get wisdom and be happy and thank God that he gives that beautiful gift. My last piece is this with open hands. I got this in Israel. Somebody gifted me with it. And you've been around here, most of you, and you know our vision from the Abrahamic covenant is open hands, receiving from God all that he wants to give, believing he wants to give us a lot. And with open hands, giving it away, believing we cannot outgive God. So if you don't mind, Matt, can I have the seniors come up here? Is that all right, seniors? I think I'm asking, what is he going to say? No. Come on up, seniors. <laughs> Will you just come up here? Everybody give them a round of applause. Come up here. Okay. Come and stand right here in front of me. And then if I could have the leaders um, come and just gather around all of these seniors. Um, leaders and parents in the room. I don't know how many parents are in the room, but if you're here, will you come up as well? Uh, We're just going to love, and I know there's another segment to your evening here, but uh, parents, come on up as well. And students, um, say with me, God, give me wisdom. God, give me wisdom. Students, I'm going to have you stand, okay? Um, And I'm going to have you just put your hand this way as though you're reaching over to touch the shoulder of all those who've come forward. Wow, get cozy. There's, there's a lot of graduating. Seniors, everybody grab a shoulder as best you can. I want to just pray a blessing over you for wisdom. So would you join me, everybody, just before the presence of the Lord? Father God, you have eyes that see. Look upon us and be glorified. You are the God who has ears to hear. Hear this prayer and be glorified. And you are the God with a mighty right hand who reaches down to lead and to guide with wisdom. Father, I pray for these graduates as they set forth um, sails high that the winds of your Holy Spirit would blow in the direction that you would want them to go and that with open hands they would receive that direction and that you would give them the gift of wisdom, that they would know they are in your mighty right hand 
to go where you want them to go, to do what you want them to do, to be what you want them to be, to say what you want them to say. Grant them this gift. May they anchor in their lives and in their souls the truth that your wisdom is the only thing that will satisfy the longing for happiness that each of them have. We love them so much, but no greater than your love. So hug them, love them, send them in a way that they would anchor in and trust you today and always. In Jesus' name, amen. Blessings to you. Thanks, everybody, for letting me be with you tonight. God's peace to you, okay? Transition there. Perfect. Hey, seniors, you guys can grab a seat. We're not done with the night yet. You guys can grab a seat. I'm going to introduce what we're going to be doing next in just a few short moments. I love you more. Um, I'll give you a few moments to get back to your seat. <clears throat> In John 17, Jesus enters into the upper room. And it was inside the upper room where Jesus actually put on what the Bible says is the regalia of a servant. It means that he, puts, he put on the servant's clothes. And after he did that, he, he invited his disciples one by one to sit down in, in chairs in front of him where he went one by one and bent at their feet and washed their feet. And now that's significant for a couple of reasons. Uh, one thing that we oftentimes don't catch is that what these people would have been wearing in the ancient Jewish days was a small leather sandal. Oftentimes they wouldn't even wear shoes, and they didn't have sewage systems, which meant that they were oftentimes walking in poop and and gross things. And it was those feet that Jesus, after having taken on the, the regalia of a servant, bent down and washed them. And the reason why he washed them is because the prophet Isaiah says that beautiful are the feet that bring the good news. And so as Jesus commissioned his disciples to go into the world and preach the gospel... He washed their feet. He, he communicated to them, beautiful are the feet that bring the good news. And so tonight, seniors, we're going to wash your feet. Your senior or your leaders are going to come up here with you and we're going to wash your feet. And they're going to pray a simple prayer over you. They're going to say, beautiful are your feet that bring the good news. Because seniors, the reality is, is that as you step through these doors tonight, you are commissioned to bring the good news of Jesus Christ into the world. And what have we been saying? There are many ways in which you do it. You love people because Jesus says that the world will know us by our love. You communicate the gospel because it's an understanding of our sin that leads us to repentance. And you join the church. Not that you aren't already a part of it, but you get to step into the greater movement that is the church. Not just Westwood, 
not just River Valley, not just Grace, not just whatever church you may end up going to in college. But you're invited to join the movement. And so what we're going to do is first all of your your leaders are going to come forward and I'm going to wash each of their feet. Because many of them are actually being commissioned out of here also as leaders or into different roles in our ministry. And so I'm going to wash their feet. And then leaders, I would love it if, if in just a few moments you would tell your students when your turn is. All of you leaders know that. But what's going to happen is I am going to wash their feet and then six of them are going to step out. And then if your leader stays, you can come forward. And you're simply just going to sit on the stage maybe the second or the third step. And they are one by one going to wash your feet and they will pray that prayer over you. Beautiful are your feet that bring the good news. Now logistically, we ask that once your feet are washed that you stay there. So if perhaps you are a senior small group of one, you're waiting for the final student from the last small group's feet to get washed before you stand up and go back. And so we will transition three groups at a time. Three new groups will come. We have nine small groups. And now I'm more than aware that emails have been going out to the church as a whole, which means that there may be some of you in here that haven't called high school ministry home. Maybe you've gone to a different youth ministry or maybe you just haven't come to HSM at all and you're here and you want your feet to get washed. Well, at the end of all of our small groups' feet getting washed, me and Caroline, who's our intern here at high school ministry, will be up here to wash your feet. And so if you're in this room tonight and and you are a senior and you do not have a small group, you can still have your feet washed. When you see Caroline and I up here and all the small groups back worshiping, that is when you can come forward. And then throughout this whole experience for the next 30 minutes or so, David's going to be leading us in worship. And so non-seniors, my challenge for you is is twofold. Actually, it's threefold. I'm going to add one. The first one is that as we worship, would you pray for the seniors? Would you pray that they would go into the world having beautiful feet to bring the good news? That they would leave commissioned and filled with faith. The second is that you would worship. See, this is going to be a powerful evening. There might be tears. There will be celebration. There may be a variety of emotions. And just because you're not a senior doesn't mean it's not meant for you. So feel this moment. And in third, look forward to it. This is going to be an every year thing. And so freshmen, you have this service to look forward to. Sophomores, you have this service to look forward to. And juniors, you have this service to look forward to. So look forward to the moments when you get to have your feet washed as you are commissioned out of high school ministry. You'll hear a couple more things from me at the end of our service, but... Small group leaders, while you come up, so senior small group leaders, you can come forward. And in Caroline, you can bring the first bass in. While while they're coming forward, David's going to sing us a song. While I am washing the leader's feet, you are going to hear a song that we sang this weekend. It's called Water. And you can stand up, you can worship, you can spread out, and you can worship. 
But my encouragement to you is to listen to the lyrics. Because we chose this song to be sung over not just you seniors, but all of you students. So leaders, you guys can take off your shoes. and uh, Did you all tell your students when you're coming up? Great. So if you know you're coming up next, uh, as soon as you see me wave you forward. Students, that's when you, if you are up next, can come forward. Open my mouth, give me a new song to sing, feel it right now, with the praise offering, the beautiful sound, to you Jesus the King, open my mouth, open my mouth.
Jesus, the King, open my mouth.